All right. Why don't you all go and uh, find your seats this morning? Hallelujah. I love miracle babies. Hallelujah. Especially when they're not mine. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Yeah, you get to be a certain age, and you, you like kids, but not like you used to, maybe. You know, so glad for them. Uh, it's been something, even the accountability brothers, uh, Matthias had in, what did you call the prayer of, uh, that we were praying in? An unspoken prayer. And he wouldn't tell us what it was. And we pray and pray and believe, and, you know, we didn't know what we were believing for. And with Matthias, you got to be careful, you know, because you never know what's going through his mind. But uh, he had his brothers around him. He had his church around him, his pastor to prophesy over uh, the couple. And, and here we are, you know, you got a brand new baby. So congratulations to that. I want to talk to you about something that really comes to the, the central part of what the Word of God is all about. And I've titled this message, Red Letter Living. Red Letter Living. And of course, we all know that in the Bible, right, when you get into, uh, you know, the New Testament, you've got all these red words in the Bible. Those are the words that Jesus spoke directly and were recorded. But the main thing that he talked about was something that was so critical to what he would accomplish uh, through his death, his burial, and his resurrection that sometimes it, 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 it can get lost in all the incredible revelation that's in the Word of God. But there's one thing that we really have to understand. And, you know, the reason that I believe God put this message on my heart is because we're just coming through Thanksgiving, Amen. And we're entering into the Christmas holiday and into New Year's. And so it's going to be a busy time with family, with friends, and so on and so forth. But I also know this, that in our families, not everybody gets along. Not everybody gets along. And... You know, it's you can chuckle and all of that, but, you know, when you're making your list and you're checking it twice, right, and then that person comes to mind, and then you think, oh, man, you know, I don't know, maybe they could sit at the kids' table if they come or, you know, something along those lines if they're invited at all. But how many people in this room know that we all need forgiveness? Every one of us needs forgiveness. And this need for forgiveness started in the garden, doesn't it? You know, God says, don't, don't eat of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The knowledge of good and evil. Now, I don't believe that, that Adam never let down Eve or Eve never let down Adam, but I do believe that they did not have the knowledge of both good and evil. They weren't counting the, the time when... You didn't, you know, gather enough apples for the, the pigs that we had or whatever it was. They weren't counting that. They weren't thinking about, well, that one time or the other time. And then, you know, what can happen over time is that we continue to live from what happened 10 years ago with that person. 10 years ago, that person faulted you or faulted someone that you cared about, 
But guess what the other part of that equation was? It was you. It was me. I was there. You were there. So there's this incredible opportunity for people to get beyond the knowledge of both good and evil and walk in the wonderful forgiveness of Jesus Christ. In Psalms 32, verse 1 through 5, we get a glimpse of what we're talking about. So this is an Old Testament scripture, right, that is a foreshadow of, of, of what God was trying to bring mankind to. It says, oh, what joy. Anybody in here want joy? Pastor Barb was talking about joy last week. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put completely out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of all guilt, whose lives are, are lived in complete honesty. When I refuse to confess my sin, my body, you ever felt that? Like, man, I'm not doing well. I, I don't feel good. And so we continue to carry that. And what we begin to understand is, is that it's the knowledge of both good and evil that will cause the dying process of your body. It says, my body wasted away. And I groaned all day long, every day, twice on Sunday, because, by goodness, they did that to me, or I did that to them, or this unfair advantage occurred in my life. It says, day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. You ever felt the conviction of God? You know, never, never turn away from the conviction of God. He's not condemning you. He's not saying, well, you know, 10 years ago that thing happened, you know, so therefore, no, he's, he's convicting you. And it's important that we allow the power of God, the Word of God, to convict us so that we can become healed in every way. It says, my strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, everybody say finally. And, and, and when we do what we're about to read here, finally gets to occur. And what it says here, I confessed all my sins to you, God, and stopped trying to hide my guilt. Trying doesn't work. Doing does, finally does, but trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And what, it, what the Lord says is, and you forgave me all my guilt is gone. All my guilt is gone. You know, forgiveness relieves our conscience. We wonder why we live in a world many times full of anxiety and depression and people feeling overwhelmed and 
burdened and just can't hardly get a thought across, can't quite get to where I want to get to. Every time I start, it seems like I start over, and then I start again, and then I start over. But what would you be able to accomplish by having relief from your conscience? You know, most of the people that were saying did something to us, that once upon a time scenario, right? Most of those people have moved on. <laughs> I mean, like, you could call them, and sometimes we feel the need to do this, right? Sometimes we feel the need to pick up the phone, and we're going to call, and we're going to finally get this thing, you know, under the blood of Jesus, and we call them up, and you say, hey, Margie, this is so-and-so, and, like, I just wanted to tell you about that one time, and, like, I wanted to let you know I forgave, and, you know, all of this stuff, and they're like, well, I haven't even thought about that. Like, what are you carrying that for? You know what I mean? And yet, if we went to the grocery, well, we go to Walmart, right? You're pushing your little cart, and you're going around Walmart. And then you come around this little corner. You turn the cart. There he or she is. There they are. How much... Pain, needless suffering, I mean anguish, what the scripture talks about, your body wasting away, you're putting on 10 extra pounds because you're carrying all this stuff, you just can't let it go. How much guilt do you even carry as a result of not forgiving that person? This is the, the center of everything Jesus has done for us. To be forgiven of our sins. To be have our conscience. I mean like, wow. What, what a, an incredible experience I just had. Because it, sometimes it takes deliverance. Like we become that thing. It's like, well, I ain't ever going to let her go. Because she did that thing. And she did it. And I'll tell you, it's just never, never, ever will I forgive that person. Again, how is that affecting them? It's probably a little tiny bit, like if anything. But how is it affecting you? And, and I'm not just talking about how you feel. I'm talking about, like, how does it affect other areas of your kingdom life? Like the nothing missing, nothing broken, and the finished work of Jesus Christ, life. The abundant life that Jesus paid a price for so that you could have everything that pertains to life and to godliness. Everything. Well, I don't know about this. Well, no, that too. Yeah, I know that too. But if you're carrying this incredible weight around your neck, and you're just... I mean, every time you think of that person, the, the name of that person, the name of that group of people, whatever happened, every time that name comes up, it's like, oh, gosh, and you feel that surge. Oh, gosh. 
at one time, 22 years ago. I will never, ever. And I don't believe anybody in this room believes that forgiveness is not the central focus of what Jesus has done for you. And, and <laughs> like, I could push buttons and I'm not going to this morning. But I mentioned something to my boss the other day. And I said, well, you know that guy, he, he believes, he confesses that he believes Jesus Christ is his Lord and Savior. And he goes, oh, man. <laughs> you, you know what I mean, right? He died for every, I mean, everyone. I mean, he knew that this issue of the knowledge of good and evil was going to do nothing but erode all of the creation that he made for us, and it would erode it in such a way that it would negate the blessing that God really wants us to walk in all the days of our lives. But guess what? You're not called to walk in the blessing by yourself. You're not called to walk in the blessing for, with just the people that you agree with. You're not called to walk in the blessing just because, you know, they didn't do what they did. But they did it, and I'll never. No, <laughs> I will never. Never say never. Never say never. That person, as, as evil and as dark and as, I mean, horrible as that situation was, Jesus paid for that person's forgiveness for their joy, their joy. And when we as people of God hold on to these grudges, we have the opportunity to rob them of the joy that Christ paid for. This is red letter living. Red letter living. Matthew 6.14, Jesus says this. He says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive you of your sins. Now, he'll forgive you, but he's not going to forgive you of your sins. See, you're holding something that is contrary to the forgiveness that he's given to you. And if you're not participating in this, it's not just, my name is Jimmy, now gimme, gimme, gimme. I want all the forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. I want all the joy, the joy, the joy. And all I want to live my free life and la, 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 la. And I want to rob that from another person. God's intention is to completely forgive you of all your sins. But guess what? You were created in His image and in His likeness, not the image and the likeness of the situation that you're living in. 
and it's costing you more than it's costing them. Anybody in here who's never made a mistake? Andy, put your hand back down, brother. <laughs> Pray for him, will you? <laughs> yes, we do, Pastor Barb says. And without raising hands on this next question, are there any people out there who have not forgiven you? So you're not only the one who isn't forgiving, you're also the unforgiven. And so this knowledge of good and evil, we stack up all the, the do's and the don'ts and what did and who didn't and all this stuff, and that's how we kind of interact with each other. The Word of God is calling us to a much higher place. God is a God of relationship. And you can't have a godly relationship where there is a lack of forgiveness. Can't do it. It's going to get in the way every time, all the time. In fact, it's getting in the way and you don't even realize how much it's affecting everything you put your hands to. Because what we're talking about this morning is the central focus of what Jesus paid the price for. And that's the forgiveness of all of the mishappenings that have occurred. You ever been in a situation where you didn't know what you didn't know? I have. I mean, like, you were doing what you thought was the right thing to do, only to find out later that it was the wrong thing to do. Huh? Maybe the person on the other side of your story didn't know what they didn't know at the time they needed to know it. Things happened beyond their control. And here we are today. Forgiveness is not, hey, I can't wait to hang out with you and, you know, go and have a great party with you again. Because some people, you know, we all know that little story of the, what was it, the turtle and the scorpion, right? And the scorpion comes up to the turtle or frog, whatever it was. She says, hey, will you swim me to the other side? She said, no, because you'll sting me, you'll kill me. No, I promise you, I won't do that. I, I'm not going to do it. I just need to get to the other side. So he convinces the little amphibious animal to, you know, get on his back, gets him to the other side, and the scorpion stings him in the back of the head, kills him before he dies. He says, why would you do that? <laughs> I'm a scorpion. I'm a scorpion. Sometimes we don't have all the tools we need. You know, Matthias, I've seen his tools. He's got tools upon tools upon tools. So much so that it's too many tools for sure. Yeah, he shakes his head. No, he has too many tools. But some of us only have like a beat-up screwdriver and a hammer, right? That's what we were given. And so we got real good at fixing everything with a hammer and a screwdriver. When there's all these other amazing tools, you know, that we could use, right? 
Sometimes what someone did to you isn't a result of how bad they are. It's lack of understanding and how to, you know, be a good and decent human being. And maybe they need someone like you to say, well, hey, why don't you come over to my brand new shop? I got, I got tools like crazy over here. And I, this is called a wrench, you know, and you can use a wrench instead of a hammer on a bolt. Believe it or not, this wrench will do a far better job than that hammer will ever do. Yeah. I'll tell you, you know, and, and there's areas in our lives where we're not so good either. We, we didn't have the metric set. Oh, there's a metric set of tools. I, I had no idea. I wonder why every time I try to loosen that bolt with that, that socket, it would just strip the, the edges off. Well, there, there's a metric set. Oh, I didn't, I didn't know. And, and, you know, most of the time someone's not going to tell you they didn't know that there wasn't a met metric set. Because that would make you right and them wrong. That doesn't feel very good either, does it? You see what, you see what I mean? Central focus of the Word of God is in the red letter living. Quotes. I love T.D. Jakes, man. I just, he's, he's been a powerhouse for God for many years. Helped me in my growth and my, I never met him, but I feel like I know him as a brother. It says, we think that forgiveness is weakness, but it's absolutely not. It takes a very strong person to forgive. Yeah. Forgiveness isn't always deserved. It's not always deserved because some people are just mean, nasty scorpions who just stick you in the back of your head and watch you slowly die. But we are called to love even towards those people. Mark Twain said this, forgiveness is the fragrance that the violet sheds on the heel as it has been crushed. You ever smell the flower after you've kind of crushed that flower? The value isn't gone, man. I'll tell you that aroma is still there. Matthew 7, 12 says, Do to others what you would like them to, oh, to do to you. Huh. This, and I love how this is said. It says, if you do unto others as you have them do unto you, this is the essence of all that is taught. In the law and from the prophets. This is, this is red letter scripture right here. Jesus said, this is the essence of everything that is taught. We've got great opportunities, guys. We, we really do. We can let go of what happened. We can forgive. You may not forget, Right? But you can forgive. You can show grace and mercy and love towards that person when the opportunities arise, right? Oh, man. You guys got quiet right there. It's the same thing we want from God, right? It's the same thing we want from everybody else. Jesus said that it's the essence of everything that is taught. Everything that is taught. Luke 6, 37 to 45. A little bit long, but we'll get through it. Amen. 
Do not judge other people, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn other people, or it will come back against you. Forgive others, and you will absolutely, beyond a shadow of a doubt, be forgiven. Give, and you will receive. When I give something to someone, I typically don't give them something they already have. I typically am not going to do that. I'm going to go and I'm going to find a special gift, a unique gift for that person. And I'm going to gift that to that person. The person you have in mind people you have in mind. Give them what you would want to receive in return. It says your gift will return to you in full. Now we use the scripture a lot of times for tithes and offerings and so on and so forth. But in reality what this is talking about here is not just the money. In fact, it has to do with the things that money cannot buy. It says, your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together, to make room for even more, running over and poured out into your lap. You know, once you start this thing, it's going to flood out of you. It's going to become the central focus, the central essence of everything you do. And the purpose of it overflowing is because it's not for you, it's for them. It's for them. It says the amount that you give will determine the amount that you'll get back. Things that money cannot buy. Then Jesus gave the following illustration. Can one blind person lead another? So can one guy with a hammer and a screwdriver lead another guy with a hammer and screwdriver to do a good job? (laughs) Probably not. Unless it's just a screw and a nail. Right? They're really good at that stuff. says, won't they both fall into a ditch? Students are not greater than their teacher. I wonder how that person could become your greatest teacher as well. About how to forgive. How to forgive. Says, but the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. Isn't that the goal? We're created in the image and likeness of God Himself, right? Don't we all want to become like Him? We do. It says, why worry about the speck in your friend's eye? You have a log in your own. It's a tough message today, but. 
Jesus said it was the central essence of all that's ever been taught. How can you think of saying, friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Strong word there, hypocrite. You know, uh, this is Jesus talking. Red letter living right in your face right here. I don't know that I have the courage to walk up to somebody and say hypocrite. Because in many ways I am too, just like you. We all try our best, but guess what? We're all falling short of the perfect glory of God. We all have this sin nature inside of us that's, you know, putting things into categories of good or evil. <laughs> it says, first get rid of the log in your own eye, then you'll be able to see well enough with the speck in your friend's eye. And I believe that's what we're all called to do, right? We've got we to get beyond this elephant in the room that nobody wants to talk about. Man, it's, it's eroding everything. It, it's pulling everything apart. Everything that Christ has done for you, done for them. A good tree can't produce bad fruit. A bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes. Grapes aren't picked from the bramble bush, bushes. And a hammer can't take a bolt off. And a socket can't pound in a nail. It says right here, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. An evil person produces evil things from the treasury of of an evil heart. What you say flows from what you believe. And you don't have to believe that what happened 10 years ago happened the way it happened. It's interesting when there's an investigation for a crime, they isolate the two people, right? Or the three parties or however many people are involved. Because guess what? If there's two people, there's two sides. If there's three, there's three sides. And I would say that if there's two people, there's probably three sides. And, and that's what a good investigation is all about. Getting to the truth. But what it said here was that there was a good heart and there was an evil heart. Good and evil. This is the battle that we as believers need to win. We can't put things in context that way. That was the thing that God wanted to, no, don't ever do, you can do all this other stuff, but don't do this one thing. Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of the good and evil, because if you do, you will surely die. You'll surely die. What was the first thing that Adam and Eve experienced after they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Shame. 
shame. And I'll, I'll, I'll say this. That sometimes we hide our own shame by blaming somebody else. One for them. I wouldn't be in this situation. Yeah. We do this a lot. And I just believe that the Holy Spirit is just trying to bring some clarity, some awareness to what's going on under what's going on so that you can be free. You can be forgiven. The situation that occurred doesn't need to be put in the knowledge of good and evil. It just needs to be good. It needs to be good again. It deserves to be good again. I promise you, if you have good relationships in your life, ain't nobody that could drive a wedge between it. I'm telling you. Listen, and, and between you and that person that you would say, I value that person more than life itself, there's going to be conflict even there. There'll be conflict that gets your mind to start to think about, well, hey, you know, so-and-so don't treat me the way my wife does. So-and-so doesn't treat me the way my husband does. You see how this whole thing works? One bad thing leads to another bad thing. And instead of dealing with the shame that you're carrying, you're going to go and try to recreate the same thing in some other relationship without ever taking the gold that Jesus has given you to forgive and to work together for the good, build the church, build the kingdom of God, get my head out of this nonsense and into the things that God is calling me towards and to. Get out of the wet paper sack. <laughs> There's a photo I've shared over the years of a donkey ch chained to a lawn chair. And that donkey ain't going nowhere because it's been conditioned by that chain. It's time to break these chains. It's time to get free. I mean, no apology necessary. Just, I mean, that's enough. I'm not going to carry this burden anymore. Man, I'm not going to lose another hour of sleep. I'm not going to, I mean, let this thing rule and reign in my life anymore. And I'm just going to shake it off. Everybody just go like this and just shake it off. Oh, it's not that easy. No, it's easier than that. It's a choice that you can make. To say, I completely absolve myself of that situation. I don't care anymore. I don't care what it costs me. I don't care what, it, I'm not going to get on one side and not the other side. No, I'm on Jesus' side. As much as that person needs forgiveness, so do I. And I'm going to walk in that forgiveness. I'm going to receive that forgiveness, not only for them, but for my life. I'm going to relieve my conscience once and for all. You see. You watch how your life begins to change so dramatically. 
so that your focus isn't entirely on problems. It's on, oh my goodness, look what the Lord has done. Man, I can finally see from here to there, which I couldn't see anything. You can't see much when you're walking around like this. Yep, there it is. It's right there. There it is. You can't see much. You got to cut that millstone off your neck. Cut it off. Let it go. Matthew 18, 21 to 22, it says, Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Well, uh, 70 times, 70 times, he says. He says, no, 70 times seven, Jesus replied. That's 490 times. And I'm talking about the big ones. The big one counts as much as the little one. The big thing that you, you, you're focused on, yep, that's one right there. Well, that one, can, that's got to count for 10. Right there, <laughs> That thing is 10. Jesus said, no, no. And, you know, I believe that if Peter would have said, you know, is it 70? Or if he had said, is it 100? It would have been times seven more. Because seven is the number of perfection, completion. It's over. Now rest. Matthew 22, 34 to 40, it says, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert of, in religious law, you ever met those guys before? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. These are the people that can quote every scripture that there ever was, but they have no fruit. Okay. <laughs> And they tried to trap Jesus with a question. They said, Teacher, which is the most important commandment of the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, Well, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and all your mind. This is the first of the greatest commandment. A second, I love what it says here. It says a second is equally, oh man, equally as important. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. It says the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on those two things. And sometimes you think, well, yeah, I, I love the Lord my God with all my heart. and I, I, I got that one down. You know, it's, it's easy to love God, isn't it? Just easy. But it also says that you need to love your neighbor as you love your, ooh, Time to forgive yourself. I can't give what I ain't got. My forgiveness tank is unempty. It's going to be real challenging to forgive others because, again, I'd rather be right than proven wrong. So I'll go into protection mode to protect myself by blaming someone or something else. You see the trap? 
And it's a trap that many of us live in. Many of us learn to live with. Many of us accept as, well, there's nothing more that can be done. I, I've, I've done all that I can do. Not, I'm not lifting another finger to try to help that person. Whew. I sure am glad that God doesn't live that way towards me. In fact, when I go to God for forgiveness, I believe he's going to forgive me. Do you see what I mean? Like that's my expectation. Is that that big thing that I did that I knew I shouldn't have done that hurt lots of people because I didn't know what I didn't know when I needed to know it. I tried to use that clumsy old screwdriver again and it didn't work again. I can tell you this, that without getting these things under the blood of Jesus Christ for yourself, for others, there's no grass that's greener on the other side. None. Because where you leave this situation, you're going to pick up in the next. And it's best to learn the lesson now and save all of the needless suffering that will continue to ensue. You know, as a young man, I was, my mom was married and divorced twice before I left the house. I didn't know why. I didn't know what was going on. It was just a chaotic world. And I was picking up on what was occurring around me, <laughs> okay, as a young boy. Very impressionable right? Thinking, oh, this is the way life is. And then I picked up this book. I picked it up and I looked and I said, wow, this book says that I can be forgiven of all my sins. Whew. Wow. Then I quickly realized that I had to forgive everyone else of the things that I experienced in that life. And I can tell you that there was nobody in that family dynamic I was in that was waking up every morning just thinking, how again can we make Paul's life a living hell? Get that down. We've got a great checklist together here. And we're just going to act on that on purpose every single day. Nobody thought that way. Nobody thought that way. Nobody thought entering the situation that you're thinking about going, okay, so here's what I'm going to do to her. And just, like, write it out. And go, okay, we got the plan. Now we need some action here. It just didn't happen that way. Things happen. Stuff happens. Stuff is happening. What ends up happening is, is when too many bad things happen to you, 
you tend to isolate yourself. And you're going to find out a powerful lesson there that you can't do anything by yourself. <laughs> I mean, you'd be lucky to get up and wash your hair every day. And, and not many people have gone to that place of isolation, but I promise you, you get away from people for an extended period of time alone, you're going to struggle to even find a reason to live. Invest in the relationships you have now. No matter how broken they are, no matter how much difficulty has been caused, focus on the relationships you have right now. Cherish those relationships. And where the other person is going to raise their hand and say, I ain't going to do that, you say, well, God bless you. When you are, I'm here for you. And you walk away. You will be so relieved. You'll be so free because it's so freeing. I'm going to close with this scripture. Foundational scripture found in the Word of God. 1 John 1, 5 through 10. It says, this is the message we heard from Jesus. From who? Oh, that guy. Yeah, son of God. And now declare to you, God is light. There is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness because we're not practicing the truth. And what did Jesus say the truth was? It's the forgiveness thing, right? It says, but if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have, oh, fellowship. Huh. It says, if we're living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all those mishappenings. It says, if we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves <laughs> and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful. And just forgive us of our sins. Cleanse us from all of the knowledge of the good and the evil, the wickedness part. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. Let's get out of who's right and who's wrong get out of the business of that. In ministry, I'm talking about as well, in the church. I got a couple amens on that one. Okay, so let's just not worry about how that person fell short of this or that or the other. Let's focus on building the kingdom of God, building relationships, focusing on forgiveness, which is the essence of all. That is taught. 
Some of you may not know Jesus Christ as your own personal Lord and Savior. Lord of my life, Savior of all my sins. Save me from them all. All. I want to give you each an opportunity this morning to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord, supreme leader and Savior, forgiveness of all your sins. Make sure you've got that right first. So let's all bow our heads this morning. Let's say this prayer together. You can repeat after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me. I choose to forgive others. I make you the Lord of my life. Holy Spirit, come live in me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Keep your heads bowed for just a moment between you and God right here, right now. You are going to choose to forgive yourself, receive the forgiveness of God, and forgive others. Slip your hands up this, this morning. Thank you for those hands. Beautiful. Beautiful. Put your hands back down, eyes open, looking around. Remember the essence of all the teaching as you go through your holiday season this year. Make sure that your light shines so that you can have fellowship with the people that God put in your life. Amen. God bless you all. Let's go.